Welcome to episode 46 of Contested Catch. We're here for the first time this season with our good friend, our fantasy football contributor, Kyle Singer. And we are here today talking about some opportunity buys and sells going into week four. Um, You know, we talked about this on the Tuesday episode, episode 45, that we're going to be delivering buys and sells. And not only that, but just the process of how we're identifying them. And the main word, if you're going to use one to identify them, is opportunity. And so we're going to talk a little about what that means. But first, welcome, Kyle. It's great to have you here for your first episode of the season. How are you, my friend? I'm good, Will. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm excited. I'm, I'm very excited to do the buys and sells week in and week out. I'm glad uh, we're here at week three and we can actually start using the rock. Um, you know, we wanted to use it last week. I'm glad we didn't because I would have had A.J. Green as a top buy and, you know, he shit the bet again, but he's still on the list. He's there. Absolutely. I'm him soon. I mean, basically what you're talking about is that we want a sample size of sorts um, to really evaluate these things. Because if you're going, if you're doing a, a buys and sells list after week one, there is a very good chance you're going to overreact or underreact to certain um, signals that are there. Once we get into like, a, you know, three weeks, four weeks in, um, I think we really start to have a, a good idea of what is real. And more importantly, because we're going to be doing this every week now, right? Um, more importantly, as the season goes on, let's say we're in week eight. We're not going to look back at what happened in week one. We want to we want to have basically a rolling sample size of, you know, three to five weeks, something of that sort where we're evaluating these things, because if you if you continue to factor in week one stuff, so much has changed, you know, between week one and week eight, most likely on that team with that player, with that offense. So basically, we're going to continue to update the sample size that we're looking at. We're going to be talking a lot about the rock and just to give our listeners and update if they aren't aware of what the rock means. The rock is basically the receiver opportunity composite score. Um, we're going to we're going to call it the rock, but it's the rock score. And it is a contested catch metric that is one number to rule them all. One number as a measure of opportunity for receivers for and in this uh, for this definition, a receiver is a running back, wide receiver, a tight end, anyone who catches the ball. So it's it's designed to be a single metric with which to measure a player's receiving opportunity. If you want more a more in-depth explanation about what the rock is or how to use it, you can go to contestedcatch.com forward slash rock, R-O-C dash explained forward slash. And if you want to use it, contestedcatch.com forward slash rock. So with that said, receiving opportunity composite score, the rock score, it is one number and it is on a scale of one to one to 100. Um, Kyle is going to be taking us through wide receivers and tight end buys using that and identifying basically who has really good opportunity and who has production that hasn't quite caught up to that and therefore is someone we're identifying a buy. And then the alternative is something Kyle is also going to take us through, which is our cells. And those are wide receivers and tight ends that have opportunity that is being exceeded uh, by their production. So based on the amount of opportunity that they have, we are expecting them to actually produce less fantasy points than they have so far. Now, we're also going to talk about running back buys and sells. And those buys and sells are not going to be using the rock. As we talk about a good bit, uh, the rock is just not really designed for running backs because A, it doesn't factor in uh, rushing production, and B, running backs are not used like other receivers. They oftentimes have negative air yards. They're getting the ball behind the line of scrimmage. They are very rack dependent, um, run after catch, 
And it's basically just not uh, the best tool to measure running backs receiving opportunity. So instead, Kyle's just going to be giving us some more of a a narrative uh, based idea about why these guys might be buys or sells. So, Kyle, you've been pouring over opportunity numbers this week. Let's start with the buys that you found going into week four, and we'll start with the wide receiver position. Yeah, so, Will, uh, like you said earlier, basically the rock, we're looking for buys. Uh, another way to put that is trade targets. So when I go over my buys myself, we're looking at who we think is a target to trade for that is going to overproduce that at the value that they're currently perceived at. So coming in, number one buy for me, Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen is number two on the rock score with 67.87 only trailing Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley sitting at 73.6. I like Keenan Allen because right now he's number one in targets, 39. 39 through three weeks, that's 13 per game. He's tied for first in target share at 32%, only with DeAndre Hopkins. Number six in air yards with 351. Number seven in air yard share at 38%. So he's taken a good chunk of his team's air yards. And then he's tied for two in red zone targets through three weeks at seven. Uh, Keenan Allen's got a favorable schedule coming up. He's at the Bucks, at Saints, versus the Jets, and at Miami. Uh, Keenan Allen definitely coming at number one. What do you think? Well, so I actually I like I like the argument you painted there. I think Keenan Allen's opportunity is stellar through three weeks. Um, I actually on the Tuesday episode I mentioned that I think you know tentatively I'm, I'm kind of not not necessarily a Keenan Allen. Hater, but I've I've uh, annually underestimated him. Um, I will say this: I think that there is a chance that Keenan Allen is a good. It's a good time to sell high on him because of the quarterback uncertainty. He is producing out of his mind or getting so much opportunity with Justin Herbert at quarterback. But there's always a chance that Tyrod comes back and takes that lead role, like Anthony Lynn has signaled. So that's my only caveat there. I do really like Keenan Allen's opportunity. I mean, like you said, he's number two in rock. That's what we're going off of here. And he's left a lot of meat on the bone, like fantasy points that he scored, uh, you know, number one, two and three. Um, Calvin Ridley scored 69 fantasy points. Keenan Allen scored 44 and DeAndre Hopkins has scored 56. So the, the point with that is saying Keenan Allen has left the most on the bone based on very similar and very elite opportunities so far. So anyways, go ahead, Kyle. Keep going. Yeah, so the last point on that is just obviously it comes down to the quarterback play. You know, if Tyrod comes back, which I'm not banking on, but if he does, then, you know, I, I kind of fade uh, away from Keenan Allen. But I think that uncertainty right now is kind of helping trade targets. Um, and a lot of fantasy owners are thinking, oh, I can sell high on him. He just had a crazy performance where I think this might be the new normal. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Who's your number two buy? So number two, uh, a little bit of a homer, you know, I'm a Bills fan, but Stefan Diggs, currently the wide receiver four in fantasy. So from that, you know, I'm not expecting to be a top four wide receiver going forward. Um, I think that's obviously a little inflated, but where he is being valued at is like low end wide receiver two, high end wide receiver three. Um, and he's sitting at number eight on the rock score. So he's been top 10 in receptions, number nine in targets at 29. Number eight, if you take Kamara out, so that's pretty nice. He's got a 24% target share. He's number eight in first downs, and he's been building rapport with Josh Allen, which I love to see. I know I've been seeing all those handshakes. Uh, you want to see, you know, Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs build that friendship, become brothers, and 
have that love because he's looking he's looking for digs. Yeah, I mean that's that's the most fun thing to see as a Bills fan. I just spam my friend's feed with Josh and Diggs and their love. It's it's amazing. Um, I'll say this too. He, you know, five red zone targets. That's a lot at, through three weeks, and he has just. He's been like the focal point, it feels like, for Josh once he gets to the red zone. I mean, you know, we saw in week three, he was, um, I think he had two red zone targets that were uh, negated. One was, uh, you know, it was just uh, overturned. It was actually an uh, incomplete pass, but then the other one was, I think, penal- penalized. Um, and then he ended up getting one against Ramsey anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that was tough to watch. Uh, as an owner of Diggs in a couple of leagues, that, that Josh basically like a screen pass right to the ground, but they call it a touchdown at first. And I was like, yeah, it's coming back. Next play, touchdown in the back, the end zone, celebrate. Oh, that's coming back. And then we get a Tyler Croft, like one yard touchdown. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you can't complain when the Bills score. Uh, I'm always excited about that for sure. Diggs to me is a buy as long as your league's not filled with Bills truthers and they're not valuing him at the wider, at, at the wider receiver four that he currently is. But, that wide receiver two level where he should be, I think he'll uh, outperform that value going forward. Yeah, I, I think um, I think we we talked about this a little bit that um, Diggs was taking over that wide receiver one role for Allen, and obviously Allen's been better than he ever has been. But last year, uh, through you know week seven, you know week one through seventeen in twenty nineteen, John Brown was the sixteenth overall uh, player in Rock, and that includes you know all, all um, receivers, including tight ends and running backs. And I think it speaks to the fact that Josh Allen actually led to some production on the other end of his passes, whether or not those passes were meme worthy or highlight worthy. But we've seen that carry over. Obviously, he's been even better. We've seen him be good for for John Brown as well. You know, John Brown is um, 22nd in rock right now. But like you said, Stephon Diggs opportunity is fantastic. He's a focal point for Josh Allen in this offense. They're trying to make sure that that first round investment is worth it. So I love this pick. Basically, the way I would target it is tell someone, listen, dude, you're selling high and I love Stefan Diggs. Come on, let me have him, right? And someone's thinking, wow, I'm getting such a good deal when re- when really it's pretty clear Stefan Diggs' talent paired with Josh Allen's like elevated level of play is, is a recipe for borderline, if not just established wide receiver one production. So I love that call. We haven't seen those deep throws connect really yet. And those are coming. Those are coming for sure. It's been John Brown recently. John Brown's questionable this week. We'll see if he plays. If not, I like Cole Beasley, by the way, in deeper leagues as a bye week fill, or not a bye week filling, but injury filling. Um, but yeah, I think once those deep targets connect with Diggs, and they will, then you know that's a, that's a ceiling we'd like to see. Hundred percent. Who is your number three wide receiver buy? So number three, another pricier asset, um, but some someone that's definitely being undervalued right now, Allen Robinson. Uh, we are got to go for my guy, but he finally gets a new quarterback. Trubisky is benched. Nick Foles comes in, comeback win against the Falcons. Who knows if it's really that hard. Dak just did it again in the fourth quarter. It's back to back weeks, but, um, Allen Robinson is number nine in the rock. He's number seven in targets six. If you take out Camara, man, Camara is insane. By the way, I just wanted to, <laughs> I just wanted to point that out. He's literally a wide receiver one. Yep. We'll continue. Uh, Allen Robinson's got a 26% target share. He's ninth in air yards, and he has a 30% team air yard share. He's got the Colts, the Bucks, and the Panthers, the next three, and then at the Rams, which isn't as ideal, but volume, talent, it's all there. He's going he's gonna to perform. 
you know, he was in the honorable mention section of the rock uh, rock stars write up for last week's contested catch up, which is our weekly newsletter. Um, I, I wrote a Rob is a screaming by low 12th and rock and fourth most points per game under expected. Uh, I mean, the window is, is somewhat is, is closing, if not already closed, but you're 100 percent right. His opportunity is great. His quarterback is improved now. And this guy is just as talented as anyone in the league. So 100 percent great call there. And that's kind of where I was at with my other buys, too, was the window is closing. This is probably the last week to get these guys at what I see as a value. Um, but, like, I'm not putting Calvin Ridley, who's leading the Rock, you know, we already are expecting this guy to be a beast going forward. So I don't think everyone's a believer in these three guys, Keenan Allen, Stephon Diggs, and Allen Robinson. I think you can get them quickly and get them on your team. 100%. Um, so let's move on to the tight ends here. Um, who are your top three tight end buys going into week four? So the top three tight end buys, uh, they happen to be who we kind of projected as top five to six, wherever you had Evan Ingram tight ends going, going forward from uh, before week one started. But Mark Andrews at number one, Evan Ingram at two, and Zach Ertz at three. Um, I like Mark Andrews a lot. I think he's underperformed. He's 31 in the rock right now, and he's sixth in the tight end rock when you cycle out running backs and and wide receivers. Um, But right now he's performing at tight end 12 and half point PPR. Obviously, I don't think anyone really thinks he'll be at a tight end 12, but you're talking to someone and you say, hey, this guy isn't the truth. He's tight end 12. He's touchdown dependent. Maybe you can get him for a steal. And I mean, his value is about to go off. He's at a tough Tough first three games, um, but he's at a 22% target share, 35.3% red zone target share, and he's got the highest A dot amongst tight ends. I know that's a that's a metric you love, Will. Um, but yeah, he's got a 29% air yard share, and he, he had eight targets last week despite the three catches, which we didn't love, and probably the weirdest game, most unexpected outcome, aside from the Chiefs winning, is just kind of the the offense of Baltimore. But the next four, he's got at the football team versus Cincinnati, at Philly, and versus Pittsburgh. Aside from Pittsburgh, you kind of love those matchups. I think he's going to go off. Yeah, I think Mark Andrews uh, was a locked-in top three tight end going into the season. I think if he is going for anything less than that right now, I think it's probably, like you said, a great time to buy because – this guy's role is not going anywhere. Lamar, I think Baltimore's just had a little bit of a slower start um, in terms of this offense really getting into gear. I don't think we've seen Lamar play at the level we were expecting so far. And, you know, Mark Andrews is number one target regardless of, of anyone else on that team. So I like that call. Yeah, and if you're sitting with, like, Darren Waller on your team, who's, you know, I mean, he had one huge game, but there's a lot of people that are ranking Waller ahead of Andrews. I'm not one of those people. I think, you know, if you can swap them, do it. If you can trade like uh, a mid-tier, a a low wide receiver two, high wide receiver three for Andrews, I like that. Uh, You know, like the Hollywood Brown area, even though I do love him and I think he's also a buy low. But um, that type of player, if you can trade for Mark Andrews at a a position that you want to have a good one. Good stuff. Who? Uh, so you also said Evan Ingram and Zach Ertz. What is making them buy for you this week? Evan Ingram's tough. Uh, he's on my fantasy team, and he's been a big disappointment so far. I've seen a bunch of 
of uh, polls go out. I think Matthew Barry and the whole fantasy focus crew put out a poll on Twitter. Are you willing, are you ready to give up on Evan Ingram? Um, I said, no, I think there was 16% of us that said no. And the rest said yes, but I'm going to say holds. If you have them, hold them. If you don't, you can basically get this guy for dirt cheap, but they're banged up and he's getting a target share. He's 10th in tight end rock right now, 51 in overall rock. He's currently the tight end 26 in half point PPR. He was one of three players with at least six targets in every game last season that he played, and he has 20 targets through three games. That's a cool stat, by the way. He was one of, he was one of three players in the NFL with six total targets in every game he played. I love it. So <laughs> I like that one too. I thought that was uh, noteworthy, but Eighth highest target share for tight ends at 19%. And he obviously, he had a tough three games. He started against the Steelers, the Bears, and San Fran. Obviously, the Giants season got completely shaken up when Saquon went down week two, and week one was just a shit show. But I think things are going to start opening up for him. He's getting, he's getting the looks. He's lining up as a slot receiver basically 35% of the time. And according to the rock score, he's been underproducing by 4.1 fantasy points uh, of, over his expected total. So he's bound to, for some positive regression, finally. And his next four get a little bit easier than his opening three. Uh, it's still not ideal, but it's definitely better than the start. He's got at the Rams, at Dallas, versus the football team, and at Philly. Yeah, you know, I think Zach Ertz is kind of ha having a similar situation, although even in some ways even better because his wide receiver core uh, next to him is is just thinning as the days go by. He's got the opportunity now. He's uh, he's ninth in tight end rock score. And now that Dallas Goddard, Jalen Rager, and Deshaun are gone for the foreseeable future, that means there's at least 46 targets open from the past three games. And his biggest competition is Greg Ward. Um, no hate on Greg Ward, but the target's got to go somewhere. And we know how much Wentz loves Zach Ertz. Wentz is feeling the pressure. Ertz is feeling the pressure. They're going to start to step up. The targets are going to go his way. I think he had 134 targets last season. And that was, you know, basically with a depleted wide receiver core. And he had a 24% target share, 25 in the red zone and nine red zone receptions all last year. It's looking like last year with this depleted wide receiver core. And I think Zach Ertz is going to have a big couple of games. His schedule is tough. I, I will say he's got at San Fran, at Pittsburgh, versus Baltimore, and versus the Giants. But I think it's the, the opportunity is going to be there, volume over that schedule. And I think he's a, he's a buy low right now. Yeah, I'll say this. I mean, he's got a 17% target share right now. I would be shocked if that didn't climb to or above 20% because I'm, there's just so few people to throw to. I mean, Deshaun Jackson might not even play in week four. He's got a hamstring injury. We'll see how serious that ends up being. But it's basically going to be Greg Ward, Zach Ertz, Miles Sanders, and then like maybe the, the recently signed Hakeem Butler. I doubt that he's going to have any sort of impact in the next couple of weeks. Um, there's just like so few options there outside of Zach Ertz, who is already Carson Wentz number one target. So Zach Ertz, you know, he's, he's a guy that if someone is, is getting a little skittish about maybe Carson Wentz performance, I would say, uh, 
he's a good buy as well. So I like those picks. And now I think it's time to talk about those running backs that you were uh, that we've been talking about as well. Who's your who, who are your top three buys for this week? So my top three buys, uh, I'm going to stick with my my little uh, Bears talk with Allen Robinson, and I'm going to go over to David Montgomery first. Um, the opportunity is going to be there as well. Tariq Cohen out for the season, unfortunately, but the volume is going to be there for David Montgomery. You got a new offense, a new offensive scheme, probably with a different quarterback. Maybe the scheme stays the same, but the volume will be there. He's already he's getting to, uh, 20 total touches already and now Tariq Cohen is gone that's just going to go up I know Tariq Cohen took five red zone touches away from him already through three games that goes back to him I would assume but yeah we're going to see Montgomery go from about 15 carries a game to probably about 18 ish and three targets a game to about five six ish so that that little bit of a, of a boost is enough to make him a buy for me his touchdown rate is incredibly low he's at two percent right now the offense we expect to get better under Nick Foles, and I think the touchdowns are going to be there for him. Yeah, volume is key. I think I think a big argument for David Montgomery as well is that I what I said in my ranks when I did my blurbs on my rankings um, was that he needs the receiving work to go from Tariq Cohen to him in order to take that next step and actually be like a an RB2 type that you can be excited about. And now Tariq Cohen out for the year, it looks like they don't have a choice to to do anything but give him that because I don't think Cordero Patterson is really used as a receiver, even though he formerly played it. Uh, he's more of like a you know a, hopefully a home run hitting running back for them. Um, but yeah, so I mean they're talking about maybe bringing Lamar Miller. Uh, they they're they're bringing in a couple other running backs. Hopefully those are just depth signings. Overall, I agree. David Montgomery's a buy for me as well. So who is number two for you? Joe Mixon's coming in at number two. Uh... Probably the biggest underproducer we've seen at the running back position so far. The opportunity is there. He's getting 20, 20 touches a game. Uh, last year in, in weeks one through three, he started off with 26.8 fantasy points. He was RB27, and he finished as RB13. Um, this year, he's got 27.2, so 0.4 more than last year, and he's at RB38 right now. So we'll see how he finishes, I think. There's no shot unless, you know, barring injury, he performs worse than what he's doing. I, th- I think there, there's a clear uh, breakout coming with the opportunity and his upcoming schedule, which we love. He's versus Jacksonville this week. At Baltimore is not great. At the Colts is fine. And versus Cleveland, we like. I think Joe Burrow's kind of getting getting in the groove of things. And that offense is just starting to click. And I think once it does, Joe Mixon will see that value increase. I know Jeff and I both agree with you. We talked about it on episode 45 on Tuesday that we both see Joe Mixon as a buy as well. And so we're all in agreement there. That's that's good stuff. We endorse it. Um, all right. Who is your third running back buy for this week? Last running back that we're going to talk about is uh, Kenyon Drake. We need him. <laughs> I was high on him early, uh, early in the season. I had him late last year and he killed it for me. So I kind of it was a little bit of homer. We'd love to see him talking about how he cares about his fantasy owners and he wants to win fantasy championships. So like, obviously we want to see him perform. He's getting almost 20 touches a game. He's at 19, a little over 19. Um, The thing that is hurting him is it's his targets. He's only got five total targets through week three. And we're expecting that to increase. I just, 
don't think that's in all the targets are going to DeAndre Hopkins. But once teams realize that's all the Cardinals are doing, I think you're going to start to see some dump offs over to Kenyon Drake. Um, and yeah, he's got a favorable schedule. Also, this is kind of the territory for Kenyon Drake, where if he doesn't do well in these next two games, then I panic. But he's at Carolina, which is the best matchup for running backs, then at the Jets, which is an elite matchup for any any player, but especially running backs at Dallas and versus Seattle. So, yeah, we talked about him as well. And I, you know, I, I guess my concern is if that receiving production isn't there right now, even though they talked about it being there and it's kind of there for Chase Edmonds. I'm just not I'm not as bullish that that is going to turn around and be there. I think what is more likely is that he his rushing efficiency ticks up a couple notches because that's what we expect out of the lead dog in the Arizona backfield. And, you know, Kyler Murray has done an awful lot of rushing himself so far. So I think the hope for Kenny Drake owners is, you know, that all of it comes back. But I think a better expectation is that he's at the very least more efficient. And this offense continues to be um, good and, 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 you know, have. Uh, him be uh, a major share that you want to have a part of. So good stuff there, Kyle. I like all those buys. Um, I think that's some really good research that you have to back up those takes as well. And now I guess it's time to transition over to the cells that you have going into week four. And I guess we'll go back to the wide receiver group uh, and and we'll start there. So who are your rock cells for going into week four? So let's start with Mike Evans. Uh, he's number 28 in the rock score, sitting at 41 I'm sorry, 42.9. He's got four red zone targets and four touchdowns. I mean, you can't beat that. That efficiency is perfection. Um, We all know that infamous stat line from last week, two catches, two yards, two touchdowns. I mean, that's hilarious. In week one, he had basically the same one catch, two yards, one touchdown. He had a great week two without Godwin in the lineup, and it's looking like that again for this week. the, the thing I'm thinking is, you know, let him go off this week and then get rid of him because these touchdowns aren't going to keep up. And I don't know. I don't know how uh, Tom Brady is really doing there. I mean, he's starting to scare me a little bit. I thought we we all kind of thought that this Tampa Bay Bucks team was going to be a powerhouse and you just wanted any piece. And now we're kind of like scraping for Scotty Miller and hoping he'll shoot and, and do something with all these injuries and, and whatnot. But uh, I mean. Mike Evans only got a 19% target share, and obviously that efficiency is not going to keep up of four red zone targets and four touchdowns. Yep, I, I agree with you. I think that he's a good. It's a good time to sell him. Um, you know, I think last week probably would have been the time to sell him. I was talking to our, our my buddy Jack, um, and we were talking about kind of possible trades that he might be able to make to offload Mike Evans and maybe buy low on someone like a Devontae Adams, maybe even a Michael Thomas. So um, anyway, I'm in agreement with you there. Who is your number two sell for this week? Uh, so number two, Juju Smith-Schuster, mm. and there's there's a good one here. Uh, there's a it's a little it's a double double whammy here because we're gonna we're gonna sell Juju and we're gonna buy Deontay Johnson. Um, the reason we're gonna sell Juju, he's got 21 targets through three games. He's at a 19% target share and only 111 total air yards through three games. That's pathetic to me, especially considering Deontay Johnson basically didn't play the entire game last week. Uh, He got that concussion. He's got an average depth of target of 5.3 yards. That's nothing nothing to to love there. And the difference between Deontay Johnson versus Juju 
through two weeks, I'm sorry, through three weeks, 23 targets for Deontay Johnson, 14 for Juju. This is through two weeks. I'm sorry about that. I, uh, I discluded last week when Deontay Johnson came out, but 32% target share versus 19 in favor of Deontay Johnson and 32% air yard share versus 13 for Juju. So it seems to be the Deontay Johnson show there. Just the touchdowns kind of went Juju's way, especially in week one. He had two, but Deontay Johnson has kind of taken over that A-B role, whereas Juju is looking like the wide receiver too. I would sell him right now if you can. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think Juju's role is going to continue to be um, the more reliable player for Ben Roethlisberger. I think we're going to see him be more of a, a, a chains mover. I think we're going to see him be more of the red zone target um, because everyone else is is you know not as seasoned. Um, you know, it's, I think it's the youngest wide receiver group in the league. Deontay Johnson has struggled with some drops. He's had a couple fumbles. Basically, he's not the guy that Ben Roethlisberger is going to rely on in the big moment, but we don't really care about that for fantasy um, as long as, you know, he still gets some of his looks in, in the red zone. Um, but so I will say this. I think Juju is still going to be a good player. His his opportunity, man, 47th in overall rock, that is, that is a concern for sure. So that's fair. Um, who's your third wide receiver sell for this week? My last one is Bob Woods. Uh, I love Robert Woods, uh, former Bill, but he's 53 in the rock. He's sitting at 20 targets and just two red zone targets. Um, he's got only 94 air yards through week three, which is worse than Juju, which I thought was going to be hard to find for, you know, what we think is a, a stud wide receiver in Robert Woods. But just 4.7 average depth of target and 17% air yard share. One of the reasons that Robert Woods has been producing is that rushing floor that he's had. He's averaging 4.1 fantasy points rushing per week and, and or per game, and that's that's not going to keep up. So you know you can basically take a good a good chunk of that off, and that receiving work just isn't there. If you can sell Robert Woods at a wide receiver too, I would also do that right now. For the Rams, they have been the I think the second or, or first or most uh, run heaviest team in the league so far. Um, but this is with a, a somewhat banged up running back core as well. I think Robert Woods is, is still going to be a reliable wide receiver to this season. Um, it's it's strange because like Cooper Cup, you'd think, oh, OK, so Robert Woods isn't getting the air yards. It must be Cooper Cup, right? Cooper Cup only has 114, I think it is, air yards. Um, Cooper Cup only has 114 air yards. So it's not like it's it's uh, going you know, only to cup and not to woods. It's, I think it's just more so this offense is undergoing somewhat of a shift. And I think what's encouraging about it at the very least is both players cup and woods are very good with the ball in their hands. And therefore sure. They may not be getting the ball a lot downfield, which is a little bit unexpected because we've seen them both thrive in those situations, you know, over the middle or down the sideline. But uh, at the very least they can still make things happen with their, in their hands. And so for PPR, I think they're actually both kind of interesting players as wide receiver two values because they're probably going to be efficient catching the ball uh, and then hopefully doing something with it. Whereas someone like more of a, a downfield threat, like a Michael Gallup or something like that is maybe going to have more big plays, but overall less catches, less reliable volume. So th that's my take there, but let's shift over to the tight end group. Now, Kyle, who are you selling from the tight end group going into week four? So let's keep pace with the Rams. I'm selling Tyler Higby. Um, He's my number one sell right now. He's sit sitting at 77 on the rock score, 16th um, for tight ends. 
and he's currently the number four tight end in half point PPR. He's also got a, a limited target share. He's at 14%. He's got 11 targets through three games and just 17% of the air yards on that team. So I'm not really understanding where the air yards are going if it's not going to Woods and it's not going to Higby and it's not going to Cup. I mean, it, it's coming a little bit more to Cup than everyone else, but um, they're taking shots down the field to other players, I guess. But uh, Tyler Higby has been touchdown dependent through three weeks. He's got a three touchdown game against the Eagles, which completely inflated his stats. And he's only been running a, a route on just over half the pass plays where he's on the field. So I don't like to see that. He's got two red zone targets, two touchdowns. That That's just, you know, that's just as efficient as you can get. It's, it's the Mike Evans of efficiency. So I don't see there being enough volume for him to stay in this top five tight end range. I know people were thinking we were going to have the end of season 2019 Tyler Higby, and people were excited when you look at, oh, he's tight end four right now. But I think if you look a little bit closer, you see it's not quite that. There you go. That's that's very fair. I think it's a good argument against Tyler Higby there. I'm, I'm with you. I think uh, I think Jeff is a little bit on the other side of the argument, but you know that's why this is contested catch. Um, number two, tight end sell for you, Kyle. Number two is Johnny Smith. Um, it's funny because I love Johnny coming into the season as as a sleeper, but right now he's the number two tight end in fantasy. I don't think that's going to hold. He's 38th in the rock score and seventh in tight end rock. But like I said, number two in tight end in tight end fantasy right now. We expect AJ AJ Brown to be back soon, um, and Johnny's only got a 20% target share without him. So with him, we're expecting that to go down. He has no deep targets through three weeks and an 18% air yard share. Also, similarly to Tyler Higby, the touchdowns have been there. He's got three through three weeks. I don't think he's going to have a touchdown a game. Um, the schedule is also rough for Johnny, especially now with this COVID scare and limited practice. And we don't know what's going to happen in the game against the Steelers. But we've seen the Steelers shut down tight ends so far this year, including my guy, Evan Ingram. So after after he probably gets shut down this week against Pittsburgh, he goes up against the Bills, who, although, yeah, we love the Bills defense, maybe they're a little iffy against tight ends, but still not not enough to be a tight end, too. And then he's got Houston and then their bye week. So if you can get rid of him now. This is his peak performance tight end, two. You're not going to you're not going to see John at tight end one. So if you can get rid of him, I would get rid of him. I'm more bullish on Johnny than you are. Um, five red zone targets through three weeks is encouraging. You're right, though, that he does not have this, you know, super lucrative wide receiver-esque role that we're seeing from guys like Darren Waller, maybe. Um, with that said, I think the Tennessee offense, you know, as A.J. Brown evidenced last year, is built more on efficiency and some of these really big plays that come off of play action. Um so I'll say this. I think Jonu Smith is still going to be a tight end one producer, just not the tight end one or the tight end two. So I think you're probably right that if you were going to sell him and maybe he's your second tight end or something, this is probably a great time to do it because his production is fantastic right now. And he's definitely overproducing the opportunity that we're seeing. All right. So who is your final uh, tight end sell for this week? My last guy, Hayden Hurst. Let's let's start with last week and uh, do a little Mike Evans comparison again, because I love my Mike Evans comparison last week in a game with no Julio Jones and basically no Russell Gage for the entire game. 
you expect Hayden Hurst is going to, you know, carry the load and play well. One catch, one yard, one touchdown. No shock there. 95 in the rock score, 23rd amongst tight ends. People were drafting Hayden Hurst thinking this guy was going to be potentially an elite tight end option. Um, I know a lot of people were thinking, like, definitely top 10. Some people even higher than that. But, you know, he's he's 23 in in the rock score right now for tight ends. And this is with basically no Julio Jones and, you know, Russell Gage gone the last game. He's only got a 12% target share through three weeks and only an 8% air yard target share. And even worse than that, he's got a tough schedule coming up at Green Bay. The Panthers don't scare you. At the Vikings, who I actually think are are on the uptrend, and then versus Detroit, who's been decent against tight ends. You just laid it out perfectly, Kyle. The fear always with, with Hurst was that it's going to take uh, a couple weeks, if not longer, to warm up with Matt Ryan, considering the shortened offseason and, and not having that built-up rapport. That's why all summer long I was fading guys who were joining new teams with new quarterbacks and new systems. So I think that was uh, – I think this is coming – to fruition with Hayden Hurst so far. And, and so you laid it out very, really well there. Um, let's shift over now to your three running back cells going into week four. Who is the number one cell for you this week? So the number one guy, Todd Gurley. I'm a Brian Hill truther. I love Todd Gurley. He won me my championship in 2018, but this isn't 2018. And his knee is not 2018 Todd Gurley knee. It is arthritic and it is awaiting it's a time bomb and soon you know that snap count that he's already been experiencing he's got like a 50 percent um snap share that's just going to go down once he starts feeling it as the season goes on and the usage increases but the even more scary part than the knee is his receiving work todd Gurley is a guy that we've seen produce at a high level because of his receiving work on top of his rushing and through three weeks, he only has three receptions. Uh, you don't like to see that. And then I, what I was talking about with the snap share, Brian Hill had the same amount of snaps as Todd Gurley in the second half last week in a game that mattered when the Bears were coming back and ended up winning that game. They went with Brian Hill over Todd Gurley. So obviously, we know snap count is limited. And you know he has three total receiving yards on three receptions. That's no, there's basically no receiving work coming from him. And he's averaging only less than 66 rushing yards per game. So I don't see, he's not making up for the lack of receiving on the ground. And I think Brian Hill is only proving himself. We've heard Dan Quinn say how much he loves Brian Hill. And Todd Gurley just doesn't seem to be the guy. I think if you can trade him for that name of Todd Gurley, you've got to do it. That I, I can't argue with the single thing you just said there, Kyle. Well, well put. Uh, who's your number two uh, RB sell? So this was tough. I wanted to put James Robinson, and then I started looking into him, and I'm like, this guy's a baller. I, I just can't knock him. And who wants uh, who wants to knock an uh, undrafted free agent rookie? So I switched over to Chris Carson, not because I don't love Chris Carson, but because we saw you know we saw him get injured, and we saw what Tristan Hill did to him, which was beyond ridiculous scumbag move but that kind of that obviously hurts Chris Carson not only in real life but in fantasy value and his next three weeks he's at Miami which he's probably going to miss this week versus Minnesota 
which will probably be 4-0, and then they have a bye week following that. So I'm thinking they're going to set him out for the next three weeks. And many teams, you know, the 2020 season hasn't gone exactly as we expected. I know both you and I will. We're, uh, we're struggling in fantasy when we, sh- we really shouldn't be. But if we have Chris Carson on our teams, we can't afford three weeks without him. So I'm thinking if you can trade him to a team that's sitting pretty in a good position and will give you Chris Carson value for him, unfortunately, I think you take it. If you can afford to wait on him, go ahead. But, you know, definitely see what people are offering for him. Uh, I'm just not sure that Seattle is the same team that has brought him that really high value fantasy running back role in the past because right now they're letting Russ cook. So I'm I'm with you on that one. Uh, Who is your final running back sell? Nick Chubb. This one's a big one, especially coming off of two good weeks. But the way I see it, that was kind of game script. He's had two favorable matchups where the Browns were winning and he's in the game kind of just pounding the clock, pounding the rock, and getting fantasy points, which, you know, we love to see. And that's kind of the, the, the Nick Chubb that we drafted. But we know the Browns kind of suck, and their schedule is not going to be great coming up. They're going to be down in games. Uh, they're at Dallas. They're versus the Colts at Pittsburgh and then at Cincy. We're thinking they're going to be down at least two of those games. And when they're down, it's not the Nick Chubb show. It's the cream hunt show. So when you have two elite running backs like the Browns do, only, I mean, yes, you can play two of them at the same time, but only one of them can get the ball at once. And they, and they love cream hunt there. He's been, he's been proven his worth. He's a, he's a buy low to me. And Nick Chubb is a sell high after two big weeks. Chubb has definitely had some uh, worrying performances so far, just because even if, even though he's probably the best rusher in the league, we've talked about that on this on this show before. Um, even though he's probably the best rusher in the league, the receiving work is just not there. And what's most concerning about that is that he leaves the game when it's time for Kareem Hunt to go in. I thought there was going to be a situation where where Kareem Hunt was going to be kind of like that quasi slot receiver, and that maybe they just go with one tight end. Um, and that Nick Chubb is still in the game. I mean, Nick Chubb is just, he's just being phased out when they really want to pass the ball. I've seen Kareem Hunt take over entire drives. And this is what's also scary is that he's made him, he's made it worth it for them to do that because he drives down, he gets, breaks off one or two big runs, you know, 15, 20 yards, something like that. And then he ends up scoring, you know, a short touchdown. So I, I also agree that Nick Chubb is a, is a pretty decent sell just because he's not, taking that step forward that I think we want from a guy that was on that RB1, RB2 borderline, depending on where you got him. Uh, I think especially in PPR leagues, there is cause for concern. So Kyle, any final thoughts from you here as we, you know, we just got through 18 buys and sells total going into week four. I think that's a ton of information for our listeners. Very excited to continue to bring this to them. Uh, Any final thoughts for you, my friend? Yeah, I'd just say uh, look out for the contested catch-up coming out. It'll probably be this morning by the time you guys are listening to this. Um, but I do want to I want to circle back to how I started. A.J. Green, I'm going to predict it right now. This is his breakout week. I'm benching him in my league, unfortunately, because I can't start him over Cooper Cup against the Giants. But he's going to go off, and that rock is going to be looking beautiful. So uh, start A.J. Green if you got him. Good stuff, man. Really happy to have you on. Excited to be doing this on a weekly basis going forward. Guys, if you have any specific 
buys or sells that you want to get talked about or, you know, just have questions or, you know, maybe we, we steered you the right way or the wrong way. Let us know. You can find us at Contested Catch on Twitter. You can find Kyle at CC underscore K Singh on Twitter as well. Good stuff, man. I'm really excited for this episode to keep going. Uh, we, we hope you guys have enjoyed. Good luck, and we'll catch you next time.